0: You are listening to the Team Flower Podcast, where we talk about flowers and the people who have dedicated their lives to sharing them with the world. We believe that our work with flowers matters, and we're cheering each of you on. This podcast is brought to you by Team Flower, an online support community dedicated to educating, connecting, and empowering flower lovers worldwide. We provide online classes, in-person events, and weekly free resources designed to support you in your journey with flowers. Whether you're a professional florist, flower farmer, or simply love flowers, there's space for you here. Come join the party at TeamFlower.org. Hello, everyone. It's Janine. I am back. And today on the podcast, we have Loria Stern. She has a business called Eat Your Flowers, and she's in Los Angeles, California. Um, She is a chef and a baker and a botanist and a gardener and an artist, um, all the things. She first gained fame as the originator of the Botanical Press Cookie, which I'm sure we will hear more about in just a few minutes. Since 2016, Loria has created a thriving bakery and catering brand that values local community, sustainability, and inclusivity. She harvests from her own abundant flower garden, works alongside local farmers to source seasonal and organic produce, and implements creative waste reduction and water conservation practices whenever it's possible. With her natural, often plant-based creations, Lauria celebrates the nutritional and medicinal value, as well as the inherent aesthetic beauty that we all love in botanical ingredients and celebrates them in her botanical studded food. Loria is so excited and we are so excited um, for her first cookbook, which will be out in the spring of 2023. Uh, you can follow her on Instagram at Loria Stern, and you can find her online at lauriastern.com. Welcome, Loria. I'm so excited to chat with you. Uh, Thanks for being here today.
1: Thank you so much. Thank you for that lovely introduction. And I am so happy to be here too, to talk about all things flowers.
0: Yes, that is what we do here on the (laughs) team flower podcast. Well, let's just jump in. I, I'm so curious about how you came into this portion of the floral industry. Like your work is beautiful. The things that you create are beautiful. I'm sure they taste incredible. Tell mm. me, tell us more.
1: Well, thank you so much. That's so, so sweet. Um, you know, I guess it really came together, baking with botanicals uh, back in 2012 when I was working as a pastry chef at a fancy hotel. And I was also enrolled in an adult education class uh, through a local um, City College and the class was basically called, uh, um, what was it called again? The class was called Edible and Medicinal Flowers, or sorry, Edible and Medicinal Plants. And we would walk around different hikes and the instructor would um, point out different botanicals and how they were used by the earliest inhabitants of the land and you know, it was so surprising and kind of eye-opening for me to see how many different plants are actually edible and not just edible, but medicinal as well. So those two things, uh, learning all these fancy pastry techniques, and then learning about um, the edible and medicinal values or uh, characteristics of Plants that are just all around us. Um, combining those two things was really the moment that this happened for me. Uh, so I found myself, you know, making creme brulees and topping them with foraged nasturtiums that I found and um, folding the nasturtium flowers into the gelé, you know, different techniques like that that really sparked my interest. And, um, and it was when I started baking botanicals and seeing how they behaved after baking. That's Mm. what really, really intrigued me. So, you know, seeing a piece of lavender on top of a dough and after it bakes, it turns, you know, grayish and a little shriveled versus uh, a bright orange petal of a pomegranate flower and seeing that pomegranate flower bake even brighter um, after the bake. So, just kind of seeing how different botanicals behaved uh, was really interesting to me. And then, also, you know, years later, as I practice this craft, realizing that um, there are techniques which I can employ um, or impart with different flowers. So, they do bake their brightest or they do. Um, you know, stay flat or whatever I'm trying to do with them, um, with in my baking. So it's been just a really cool and interesting process that, you know, involves, um, a lot of curiosity and wonder. And, you know, I'm sure there's science involved, which, you know, I don't, I can't say I know much of, but, um, but, you know, different plants have different levels of chlorophyll or different levels of um, whatever the the compound in, is that's turning it a certain color you know the the chemistry behind it that's probably what is um the reason why certain botanicals bake so bright you know so it's really it's really been like an interesting and fun process for me and um and you know there's been a hugely um great reception to it you know I now run a really busy bakery business and um and you know it's it's incredible. I can support people with um, you know kind of my my curiosity and fun in the kitchen. Uh, so now I have four employees and um, you know myself, and it's really cool to see the business grow and um, to see that there's an interest in the craft and um, you know the the botanical baking world.
0: Yeah, and I just <laughs> I I really want to hit on two. Way back when this first started to catch your interest and you first started to learn about baking with um, botanicals is that you, I mean, you had this job as a pastry chef, which uh, I don't know. Did you enjoy it? I'm assuming you enjoyed it. Okay.
1: (laughs) I enjoyed aspects of it, but you know, working in a restaurant in a kitchen is a really, really hard work. The hours are really long. You know, I would come in at 4am. Sometimes I would leave at one am sometimes, you know, it's really hard work that people don't realize. So I loved learning, but when it came to, you know, the really intense, long hours of standing on your feet, um, sometimes the, you know, intense nature of, um, kitchen work, Mm -hmm. you know, that, that, those aspects I didn't love so much. Sure. But, but. when it comes to baking and pastry chefing that I love
0: <laughs> that you love. And you discovered that in the midst of this, this other job where you made the space and the time to invest in learning more um, yeah. and you discovered this passion that you have. And now like, look at your business. It's, it's blooming. It's literally blooming.
1: <laughs> it's definitely an exciting time for sure. And we have more things coming up, so it's definitely exciting.
0: Oh, that's really neat. And also when you were talking about how the flowers just kind of um, morph and take a different life as they bake. I just, I'm always fascinated by the science behind baking. I'm would not say that I'm a baker. Like I will follow a recipe to a T when it comes to baking because I'm afraid to mess it up. Um, but just the science behind all of that fascinates me. And I am even more I think just impressed and inspired at your ability to not only learn that and do it well um but also master the technique of the flowers becoming and doing what you want them to do. You know what I mean? Um, yeah, definitely it,
1: it's really exciting and it's um kind of a forever growing amount of knowledge that I don't see anywhere in the world. <laughs> like I don't Right. see that there's, you know, a book, a handbook out there of, um, you know, how to flatten large flowers in a cookie dough, you know, Mm. or how to maintain the brightness of a certain botanical after baking it, you know, there's no knowledge out there. And so it's been really fun kind of writing that knowledge, if you will. It's definitely very niche, but, you know, um, it's definitely fun.
0: That's great. Yes. I was about to ask if those are things that we'll be able to find in your book that's coming out next year.
1: Well, there's going to be a lot of information in the book. So we're we're still working on what, um, you know, will be included, but if it won't be included in this book, it's definitely going to be included in a series of videos that I'm making, um, to, to be posted on YouTube. So the information will be out there whoever wants to learn about
0: it. <laughs> That's great. That's great. So what would you say? I have, man, I feel like I have so many questions for you. Um, <laughs> you mentioned nasturtium and you mentioned lavender, which I know are, um, I don't maybe, maybe some people know those are edible flowers. What are some other edible flowers that maybe, you know, the, the floral industry is unaware of?
1: well there are so so many um and i don't even know where to begin but i guess <laughs> it's best for me are, are there pick. like
0: 3 or 4 that really surprised you when you found uh, out i was just going to say my favorites
1: um to bake with that i that i always come back to are um roses rose petals and violas and violets uh pansies bachelor buttons um fruit blossoms, like cherry blossoms, or peach blossoms, or nectarine blossoms, Um, you know, calendula, marigold, those are also some medicinal flowers, Uh, fennel blooms, Um, a lot of vegetable blooms are also edible and um, really fun to experiment with, you know, oftentimes, I'll press a cookie with, kale flowers and it looks beautiful, you know, so, the, um, there's just, you know, so many edible flowers out there. Of course, there are also non-edible flowers, but, um, but there are very much more edible flowers than there are non-edible. I would say
0: mm-hmm. they just,
1: they just need to be, um, you know, grown in an environment that is edible. So sure. you, know, you can't go to the flower market or, bonds or something and pick up some flowers and then eat them. You know, they really right. have to be marked edible flowers. So
0: sure. Yeah. Sure. So, um, I know that you grow a lot of the flowers that you use. Um, yeah. And a lot of our listeners are, are growers, whether they have a flower farm or they have a cut flower garden, or maybe they just have some flower pots on their, on their back deck or something. Um, what are some of the conditions that you would say, like, how do you grow? How do you grow your flowers? What are the conditions, ideal conditions for edible flowers?
1: Well, I live in, I'm lucky enough to live in uh, Los Angeles, Southern California. So you can almost grow anything all year round in this environment. Um, But, you know, to have success, it's, of course, really healthy organic soil. Um, I'm always uh, mulching and adding in homemade compost to my soil. Uh, also, you know, um, consistent watering plants. All the listeners probably know this plants and flowers love consistency. Um, so let's see what else. And, um, you know, make sure that your seedlings are sourced appropriately. I always source them from different farmers and growers that I trust. Um, most of them, sell at farmers markets. So I buy the seedlings from them. I have grown from seed, but it's a bit more difficult and time consuming. And right now I'm just too busy. So, uh, I buy the <laughs> little seedlings already, um, you know, ready to go. Um, and then, you know, just sunshine and, and pollinators that will just come to your garden because you're growing. So
0: Sure maybe someone, uh, who's listening has already had some of the flowers you mentioned previously growing and they can just pop out there and pick some and put them in a recipe. Oh, speaking of recipes, I would love to hear what your process is for creating a new recipe.
1: Well, that's a great question. I actually love this question. Um, for me, it's, I look at a recipe a little bit differently. Um, for me, it's, you know, there's different, I guess (laughs) there's different levels of recipes. So if I'm going to create a salad dish, I look to colors and of course, um, seasonal availability. So, you know, I like to pair, um, pair different colors together. And then I take that another step into flavors. So I first think of a recipe based on presentation and then, um, then I I go down to um taste so you know let's say it's summer and i see some really beautiful corn at the farmer's market you know i'll think okay i'm going to make a corn side salad and that's the base of it is yellow and a li- you know pale yellow and then i'll want to bring in some green and then some red so all these colors really pop against each other so i'll think okay what is red at the farmer's market right now well there's red peppers there's There's red tomatoes, there's, um, you know, red jalapenos. So I'll use either some or all of those. And then I'll think, okay, what's green that could taste delicious here? Oh, well, these shishito peppers, that'll be nice. And this basil looks beautiful. So then I'll kind of just add it all together (laughs) for this really pretty uh, looking dish and not just pretty, it's going to be delicious because all the ingredients themselves are pretty good. And so that's kind of how I, I come up with a salad, um, or a side recipe with vegetables. I kind of look at color before anything else, which I think is a different way of doing it. Um, but yeah, it's kind of fun <laughs> to look at it that way. Um, cause you know, I think we're visual creatures and, um, you know, if we eat with our eyes first, or at least I do. So if something mm-hmm. looks good and beautiful, then you know, the, your, your vision, your eyes is the first sense. So I think it'll taste delicious as well. Yes. Um, so, so then when it comes to baking, um, I don't like anything too sweet. I, I was always a kind of natural kid that would get the bran muffin at the donut shop versus something super sweet. <laughs> so, um, so whenever I see a recipe, I... I kind of look at it and think, oh, how would I make this differently? Well, I would definitely half the sugar and, you know, double the vanilla, for example, and then make sure that there's salt to balance everything out. So I kind of create recipes in like a different way. And I stay away from certain ingredients for me that I just don't like as much like any corn syrups or cornstarch. I don't really bake with, those ingredients I'll use Mm -hmm. arrowroot or or tapioca starch instead. Um, and you know, it's, it's kind of like, I don't, I don't love, um, you know, processed ingredients as much. So I try to, um, I try to use like minimally processed as ingredients as much as possible. Yes.
0: Well, and I'm sure that I'm sure that your consumers really appreciate that too. Yeah, Um,
1: definitely. It's, it's, um, I think in our day and age, it's more important to, as, as you know, things go on to really, um, get ingredients in their raw state as much as possible, like as mm-hmm. little processing, you know?
0: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. For yeah, healthy. I agree with you. And that's a, that's a big, it's a big topic. I think not just in the floral industry, but within the food industry as well and um just i think just all around sustainability yeah. in general is something that um is is a hot topic right <laughs> yeah
1: really important
0: i i know we talked in the in the bio a little bit about um your creative waste reduction and water conservation practices can you um can you just expound upon that a little bit
1: yeah so in the bakery, you know, we, we are baking a lot, a lot of cookies. So, you know, for example, one little thing um, is parchment paper and there's different parchment papers out there. And we use uh, all natural parchment paper that is not treated with any chemicals at all. So um, not many people would know about this, but most uh, of your quote unquote, average parchment paper is bleached. And it's coated with a compound called uh, Quion. I think that's how you spell it, but it's not healthy. I mean, it's, it's, there's been known cases uh, for Quion to be related to cancer and, and different things like that. So I find it really important that we use um, all natural, not treated with anything um, parchment paper, which we use. Pretty much in every step of the process of baking, so that's one thing that um, I find really important um, in terms of water conservation. You know, there's ways to wash dishes that really, really conserves and um, and I think you know you learn this when you're um, you know in a kitchen setting, but maybe not. <laughs> but we always fill up uh, one um, of the sink compartments with soapy water. The next one we fill up with, um, a little vinegar and water. And then the third one is just clean water. So we wash our dishes that way. And, um, so it really, um, takes away using a ton of water and wasting a ton of water, if that makes sense.
0: Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I had on here a question to ask you was about washing You're washing, you're, you're talking about washing dishes. So let's talk about that. There's like a hundred buckets to wash. What would you suggest would be the best way to tackle it in a way that conserves the most water?
1: Mm, I mean, I would have to see how dirty these buckets are, but, um, my, (laughs) my first thought is, um, you know, reusing the water. So fill up one bucket, Um, scrub it or fill it up with some water and some, you know, non-toxic soap and scrub the inside of that and then pour that water into the next bucket and then scrub that and then pour that into the next bucket, scrub that. And until the water is just too dirty, that it's not going to be helpful for anything. And then, you know, if the soap is non-toxic, you can go ahead and water a tree with that and
0: Oh yeah. Good idea.
1: So, so yeah, I, I think about things like
0: that. (laughs) That's great. Yeah. That's a great suggestion. I, I think it's really interesting how, um, different people implement ways to, um, just love on the earth a little bit more, you know,
1: yeah, especially, you know, right now, California is in a major drought. So it's really important to conserve water. Yes.
0: Yes. Extra, extra important, important. Yeah. Yeah. Um, let's get over and talk a little bit more about your, your team and your employees. Tell us a little bit about them and what kind of roles they play and um, some things that you look for whenever you're hiring an employee.
1: Well, the team is so, so important and, you know, it's taken me a while in my business journey to realize that I need a team. (laughs) You know, I kind of was the person, oh, I can do it all for a really long time. And we've all been there. (laughs) I wish that I hired people sooner than sooner than I did. But, um, but anyway, now I have a really incredible team. I have four employees. I have a head baker. Her name is Violet. Her dog's name is Daisy. It's pretty amazing. Um, She she is uh, integral in in my team, she went to culinary school. She has a lot of experience working in bakeries. So she is the head baker and she directs um, two other bakers in the kitchen. Um, And, you know, those, those bakers are, um, they are individuals that were great people looking for jobs and um, didn't have any baking experience, but they had good attitudes and wanted to work. So those were, um, those qualities to me are the most important is Mm -hmm. somebody with a good attitude who wants to work. And, you know, I believe that anyone can be taught anything. So for me, um, experience is great if you're a manager, but for anyone else who works for me, or I don't know other, other people, I think just, you know, the attitude and, and the willingness to work is our most important so um and then i so and then my other side of the business is uh fulfillment and customer service so i have one person who handles that and then we hire some other individuals to help out when we're really busy with packing orders Um, so those individuals kind of change up uh based on availability but uh, but the core team is um you know, are my bakers and then my, um, my operations manager.
0: So Mm, that's great. I appreciate your approach to hiring in that. Um, thank you. And that you're looking for someone who has a good work ethic and who is teachable. I mean, that's a quality that, that really all of us should seek to have, you know, and there's whatever, whatever our, um, our vocation is there's always something more to learn. And when we can approach it with humility and be teachable and be willing to learn new things, then man, it just takes us so much further.
1: Yeah, it's so true. And also, you know, attitude and, um, yeah, is so important. Somebody who's not, who doesn't think they're too good to do something or who is willing to try and, um, willing to give it a shot. And, and won't take themselves too seriously, can laugh at mistakes, can laugh at my mistakes, (laughs) you know, so, you know, somebody with those characteristics.
0: Absolutely. Oh, that sounds, that sounds, it sounds like your team is a dream team.
1: Really great. I feel really, really lucky. And Um,
0: we could not get all these cookies out without them. So sure. Okay. So your team is definitely something that is an asset to your bakery. Um, what are some of the products that you sell that are like people come to your shop for those things?
1: Well, I would say my best selling product, uh, is my flower press shortbread cookies. So we have, um, different flavors of these and some, some flavors are gluten-free varieties, but for the most part, it's a basic, um, shortbread cookie with, um, edible botanicals pressed and baked into the cookie. So all of our cookies are really beautiful. No two are like every single one of them is hand pressed with flowers mm. that are edible and are often hand harvested. Um, so they're really a beautiful gift and, um, Something that's, you know, very unique and special. Uh, and my second best-selling product after that are my press edible flowers. So I started decorating wedding cakes with um, the press edible flowers. Wow. And yeah, now we we actually sell uh packages of the edible flowers for others to put on their wedding cakes or um, you know. Put on their cheese boards or however they want to decorate uh, food with, but um, that's that product is really becoming kind of our right underneath the cookies, but a bestseller, which is pretty cool.
0: <laughs> that is really neat. Thank
1: okay, you. Okay, so
0: really important question here, Loria. Your yeah. shortbread cookies are they best paired with like an afternoon English tea or Ooh. a glass of milk? I mean. I go a glass of a cup of coffee. That's my favorite. Way. Oh, I, I don't drink coffee. So I always forget about, <laughs> Okay, <what> about- <laughs> forget about the coffee, <laughs> maybe
1: dandelion tea or, um, or, you know, or, uh, um, an Earl gray. That's my okay. Favorite yeah.
0: <laughs> okay. So first a cup of coffee and then maybe a good tea. Cool. That's, that's awesome. And milk. Um, You can't
1: go wrong with milk. Let's be honest. You know,
0: yeah, you really can't. can't. (laughs) No, I'm with you there. I'm sure that that's what my toddlers would choose would be a glass of milk.
1: (laughs) I mean, that's a, that's a great choice
0: for sure. Okay. So tell us, share with us something that just flowers in general have taught you about life a little bit, you know, deeper question here. Yeah,
1: definitely. Well, Uh, I feel like, um, flowers and, and, you know, gardening myself has really taught me patience and, um, and to not be too hard on myself, you know, like sometimes, you know, I'll be super bummed that my, um, butterfly blue pea flower that, you know, I sourced and took care of for months. It that it only really yielded two blooms <laughs> you know I'll, I'll be upset about that but really it it's the process of watching it happen and learning so to me it's like there's no um there's no failures it's just like lessons right mm-hmm. and to not be hard on on oneself if it doesn't turn out exactly how you want the first time because if you want, there's always a time, a second time to try and to do something differently to make it happen or to make it work out how you want it to, to, you know? So I guess for me, it's just, um, you know, patience and to not be hard on myself really. (laughs) If that, if those are good, good answers.
0: Oh man, there's such good answers. I'm, I'm a big believer that the I I don't know, like these qualities of, of life that, that so many of us seek to have like patients are like right there at our fingertips. It's just a matter of like finding that within ourselves and practicing it. (laughs) It's just like, it's just like baking or arranging flowers. Like you get better at something if you have opportunity to practice it. Um, and so what a great lesson to learn from, from growing because they're, there, like you said, you just, there's so much control you don't have over things (laughs) and, and, um, you know, the weather you don't have control over, like you can, you can cultivate a a wonderful area for a seed to grow or a flower to grow. Um, but you can't look at it and say, okay, grow and grow at the pace I want you to grow. And yeah. And, and we can be so hard on ourselves, Um, as humans, as artists, critical of things. And I could have done this better. I could do this better. And um, there's just so much more grace that we could receive from ourselves and from one another. So that's very true. So
1: I think, yeah, learning, like, you know, spending time with plants and flowers and it's like, it's a lesson in grace. It's beautiful.
0: Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Okay. Last question for you, Loria, and this one's so important because it's going to just give us a lot more insight into who you are. If you were a flower, which one would you be? I love
1: that question. Um, I feel like I, if I was a flower, I would be a sunflower. I've been told (gasps) that I give off sunflower energy and, um, (laughs) that makes me really happy. And, uh, sunflowers
0: also make me really happy. So, um, so, yeah, I'm going to go with the sunflower. I love it. You must be a bright, shining face to everyone who comes into your shop. I'm sure. <laughs>
1: so sweet. Thank you.
0: Yes. Well, thank you again so much, Loria, for popping on here and chatting with us today and just giving us um, an insight into the beautiful work that you do and also just letting us hear your heart um, for, a, for a little while today. It's, it's been lovely to talk with you.
1: Well, thank you for having me. And um, it's been wonderful to talk to you as well. And um, I like what you all are doing. So, um, you know, flower power. Flower
0: power. I love it. Um, and if you're listening, just be sure that you pop over to Instagram and, and check out Loria's work. Um, you can find her at Loria. So that's L-O-R-I-A Stern on Instagram. And you can find her online at lauriastern.com um shoot her a shoot her a message and and encourage her and let her know how awesome she is how much (laughs) of a sunflower she is (laughs) oh that's so sweet all right until next time to all of you out there thanks for listening your work with flowers matters here at team flower we are cheering you on as you deliver light and grace and love the world through flowers one bloom at a time thank you for listening to the team flower podcast